Hi, I'm Scott Patton. I just want to thank you for watching our online service today. My goal is to give you an expeditionary journey through God's Word, through expository preaching. And when you get one of our sermons here, we're going to preach uh, based on the Holy Spirit of God's inspired words, the good, the bad, the ugly. Some things you might like and the Holy Spirit is going to inspire you and some things he's probably going to convict you on. Nonetheless, we're honored that you watch us today. God bless you and go bold. You know, it's amazing when you look at a story in the Bible and you preach on it and you, 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 you synthesize his word and you really think you understand it and then two years later you read the same passage and you have a totally different outlook on it. You ever done that, Billy? And you, you, you see a, the Holy Spirit gives you a whole different perspective than what he originally gave you when you first read about it. And, and I know the Holy Spirit does that. And I'm going to give you some perspective today. And this, this, the, what we're going to be in today in, in the book of Acts in chapter 12. And it's, it is a different, a, a totally different perspective than I had when I first gave this sermon two years ago. And, and I just, it's a sheer supernatural power of corporate prayer. Now, Caleb, I want you to go ahead and go to that first picture here. You're going to see a picture there of Pastor Arthur Pulaski. I don't think he's kin to you, Dom. I don't think he's, uh, that's a Comanche name, so I don't know, I don't know, but I don't think he's kin to you, but, uh, uh, but he's from Canada. And let me give you some background. Pastor Pulaski, you're seeing him getting arrested there in Canada. Now, let me give you some context here. He had the horrible, horrible crime of conducting an unauthorized Outdoor service, okay? That's a horrible crime. His second part of his horrible crime is he baptized his own daughter without an ordinance, okay? So now he had multiple, multiple charges because he refused to close down his church. All he was asking for was the same standards that you had for, the, for, for Walmart and Costco's and the bars and the casinos. And that's all he wanted for the church. But no, that wasn't good enough where, where he was living in Canada. Now, here's what happened. He went out and he preached a revival in the U.S. and a rich businessman had, um, had, had flew him uh, back uh, to Canada. Now, when he was at Canada and he landed in this airport, this private airport, there was an entire army of police force in Canada ready to arrest him on the spot. He was facing millions of dollars worth of fines. He was facing millions of dollars worth of uh, uh, fines. He was facing, I think, up to 10 to 15 years in jail, all because he was preaching the gospel, okay, on an outdoor service, and he baptized his own daughter without an ordinance, but something happened. His church began to pray. They began to corporately pray. And they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed. And this whole thing, you had an army of agents out there. They arrested him. And for whatever reason, that night, the government of Canada decided to let him go. It was answered prayers. Now, 
Franklin Graham, uh, Donald Trump Jr., a bunch of people started petitioning the government, the government of Canada. You know, so this is wrong, okay? But it let him go. But at the, it, at the heart of it, what I want you to understand, it was the power of a corporate prayer that, that released, that was able to get this pastor released. And that when I saw that story, I was just, I, I came back, I came back to a passage that I already preached on about two years ago. And that's what we're going to do today. Our title of our sermon today is our church's, a church's intercessory prayer. And what I hope that the Holy Spirit will communicate to every single one of you here is the sheer power this little church has in corporate prayer. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you today, Lord. We come to you today that you're going to get a message from God. Not Scott, but from God. Father, I pray that you would remove all distractions. I pray that the Holy Spirit's presence would just come upon this little church right here in Indiana, Oklahoma. I pray, Lord, that the Bible will come alive. It will come, and, and everybody in this church today will see how the Bible is coming alive. Father, I thank you, and I praise you. And I just thank you for the prayers that you're going to answer in this little church this week. And I praise you, and we, all of God's people said, what? Amen. Now, I want you to go to uh, Acts chapter 12, verses 1 in your Bible, if you have your Bibles with you. Your Bible apps also count. Okay, and we're going to start here. Now, this is going to be a little bit different today because typically I'll usually just take about two or three passages from the Bible, and I will go um, and I'll really uh, drill down on there. But this is a story that I think that the Bible is going to let it come alive today. I'm going to be in quite a few scriptures today, uh, but they're all going to be in the same place. We're going to be from Acts 1 to Acts 19. And as I read God's Word for you in this very first verse, Now that that time Herod the king stretched out his hand, to harass some from the church. Everybody say harass with me. Harass. Okay, now, this is what Herod's doing. He, he, he's, he's the emperor of Rome, and he's seeing now that it's, 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 he, he's doing this for political reasons. Okay? Same like you saw in Canada. He's doing this for political reasons. Herod is harassing the church. Now, up to this point, this is significant because all at this point, the only really people that had harassed people uh, was, was through the, 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 uh, the Sanderian and, the, um, and the, then the Pharisees. Okay? Now, you're going to see this. And this is really starting to come alive in the book of Romans. Now, you saw uh, this when we did our sermon series in Romans 8 a couple of weeks ago. Uh, who we got out of, okay? And you saw this, okay? But in the book of Acts here, this is just now starting to pop up, even though that you saw the death of Jesus. This is right after the death of Jesus and the resurrection. But now, here's what I want you to take in today's context. There's a lot of politicians that like to harass the church. Lori Lightfoot comes to mind, the mayor of Chicago, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, Andrew Cuomo, the, the former governor of New York, Virginia's governor, Ralph Northam, all these aforementioned love to harass Christians. Now, I'm going to tell you, John MacArthur, who pastor, who is in the Southern Baptist Convention, who, who pastors Grace Church in Los Angeles, California, he had the same problem as the, uh, Pastor Pulaski did in Canada. And Los Angeles said, you're going to close your church down. We, we're going to keep the bars open. We're going to keep casinos open. We're going to keep Walmart open. But no, you cannot keep your church open. And if you do, you need, they, they passed some really stupid ordinance where you could have like 10% capacity. 
Okay? Now, here's what happened. John MacArthur, Pastor John MacArthur, said no. 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 He said no. And so they threatened him with jail time. And then they, 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 they issued millions and millions of dollars of fine to a Southern Baptist church there in Los Angeles. Now, what was really disheartening for me is a lot of people reached out to him, a lot of uh, uh, leaders reached out to him, but our convention did not. And it really made me mad that our national convention did not lead, uh, help, uh, reach out to him. Okay, but here's what happened. Here's what happened. His church just got together, and they got on the knees and prayed. And they kept praying, and they kept threatening with fines, with jail, with arrest. They were going to come in and start arresting people. Okay, this is in America, folks. This is not in Canada. This is not in China. This is not North Korea. This is in America. And Pastor John MacArthur said, no, we're going to keep praying, and we're going to do doing what God's Word tells us to do, and that is to worship corporately, and we're going to do have corporate prayer. And that's exactly what they did. Now, here's what happened. The Supreme Court finally took up this case. And the California church and the California government and the governor was forced to pay back millions of dollars of fines. If, you, if that makes you happy, shout amen. Amen. Okay? Okay, it's a First Amendment issue. And, but, but it all goes back to prayer. Okay, now all those Marxists that wanted to round up churches and pastors, just like they did in Canada, but they were all forced to pay it back. It was because the church prayed. And I want you to think about that. Now I also want you to think, you go to Acts chapter 2, verse, or chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. You go to 2 and 3, Caleb. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, Okay, so because he saw it please the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of the unleavened bread. Now here's, here's what's happening. Because of uh, Herod's persecution of Christians, this is starting to be really popular. This is starting to be like a really popular outdoor sport. So now here's what's happening. The Jewish base, which would, 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 which, would what Herod was looking at, they were starting to get really happy with this. Okay, so here's what happened. The Sadducees had this basis of support. Why? Why did he have this basis of support with the Sadducees? Because he was giving them kickbacks. That's what he was doing. Why is that? The Jewish elites had all these kickbacks from the Roman government. All right, so, so it was behooved them to, because the Christians were causing a problem. You know, he could not deal with those nasty, smelly Christians that shop at Walmarts, that go to Dollar General. Okay, very similar to what you see today, right? All right, they're, they're, they're those nasty Christians that, you know, we can't have those. We, we, we just have to have the Christians that, 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 that shop at Whole Foods, okay? But here's the thing, here's the thing. You're seeing this, unfortunately, you're seeing this with some white Marxism in the United States right now. I hate to tell you this, guys. You're seeing the same thing with white Marxism in the United States. When you see George Soros, who gave millions of dollars of grants to what? Christianity Today. Who gives millions of dollars of grants to what? The Gospel Coalition. This is George Soros. He is a Marxist. He is a white Marxist, okay? And this is how a lot of the, the, the religious elites in the United States get their kickbacks. They say, we're not giving it to the church. They're not giving it to the Presbyterian Church. They're, they're not giving it to the Baptist Church. They're giving it to the Gospel Coalition. But what, is, what happens? All those people go over there. They serve on the boards, 
You see what I'm saying? They serve on the boards. Well, we get a salary. You've got to pay a guy's salary to sit on our board. Oh, he's going to write an article. I'm going to write an article about John 3:16, and he's going to get thousands and thousands of dollars. You see how this game works? It's just like in the defense industry. Okay, it's getting, the, 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 the gospel is getting corporatized, okay, and you're starting to get these kickbacks, and now you're starting to see exactly what, and see, this problem is not new to the gospel. This is not new to the gospel. This has been going on for centuries. Now, I want you to go to verse 4. So, when he arrested him, okay, remember, okay, remember what he did. He had, he had, he had seized Peter, and now it was the days of unleavened bread. Now, let me get, go back just a second. Here's what happened. So Peter gets arrested, okay? He's out there preaching the gospel. They don't like him preaching the gospel. They don't like him preaching the gospel. They want him to go back to their certain times. Go back to your time in Solomon's Colonnade. You can't go out here and prophesize the rest of Rome. We're not going to let you do that. Peter said, no, I'm going to preach the gospel. So they arrested him. Now, what's so cool about this is they did this during the, the, the days of unleavened bread. So you're having the Passover. So after the Passover, King Herod's like, hey, man, I'll just go arrest Peter, and we'll have a big trial, just like they did for Jesus, right? Now you see in verse 4, so when they arrested him, they put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers. Now I want you, that's, that's very significant. I want you to keep that in the back of your mind. To keep him, intending him to bring him to the people after Passover. Now, Ask yourself the question, why was Peter arrested? He was arrested for one reason, for preaching the gospel. I'm going to tell you something, guys. If you preach the entire counsel of God, you're going to offend a whole lot of people. Can I, can I get an amen? You're going to offend a lot of people. And that's what Peter was doing. He was preaching. He was healing. He, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, he was healing. And he was preaching the gospel. Now, I want you to go back to the four squads of soldiers. Four times, there's nine, there's nine soldiers in a squad. Right, First Sergeant? Okay, there's nine, first, there's, 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 there's nine soldiers in a squad. When you multiply four times nine, it's 36. Now, you had 36 of the best Roman soldiers in the entire world. These guys were no joke. These guys were the 101st Airborne. They were Ranger qualified. They were Air Assault qualified. They were Airborne qualified. They, 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 they did PT at 5 o'clock in the morning. Man, they were out there doing their martial arts every day. These guys were good soldiers. These weren't ragmen, okay? And they're guarding one disciple, one one disciple named Peter. One disciple named Peter. Now, I want you to think about this. He decides to bring charges after Passover where he get all the Jews in here. <laughs> and to watch this, this, this political theater. They're going to have their popcorn. They're going to have everybody out there. He's going to display Peter on trial. We're going to show, we're going to show, we're going to show Jesus and these people, these, 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 these nasty little Bible thumpers that go to Dollar General, we're going to show them how they need to conform. I want you to go to Acts chapter tw uh, verse 5. Peter was therefore kept in prison. But look at this next word. But constant prayer was offered for him by the church. Constant prayer. Everybody say constant prayer with me. Constant prayer. He was doing it by the church. They were in constant prayer. They, as soon as Peter got arrested, they were in constant prayer. Now, here's why this is so important. Here's why this is so important. This story has probably inspired me more in my personal life and the direction I think our church needs to go probably more than any other, any other verse that I've read here in the last probably two or three years. Because here's the thing, guys. I can go 
get Dr. Whoppernickel here from the from a from a you know a really uh, famous preacher, really smart. You know, and I could put out a whole bunch of things that he's going to come here and preach, and we're going to get a big crowd. Or it could be better yet, I could get a pastor that used to be a pro football player, something like that, and we could have all kinds of advertisements on Facebook, and they could all come in here, and we're going to have, man, we're going to pack this place up. We're going to have 120, 130, 140 people, all right? And we'll pack this place up. We're going to high five after church. We're going to do a potluck. It's going to be all cool, and it's going to be great. Or, I can just say, guys, here's what we're going to do for revival on Sunday night. I just need you to come in here and pray for an hour. Just pray. Now, let me ask you guys something. I'm just being honest. How many people do you think we'd have? 50, 60, maybe? Good day? You see what I'm saying? Now, think about that. But I'm going to ask you, I'm ask you another question. What do you think is more powerful? To hear a pro football player come and give us testimony, or we get on our knees and pray to God. Think about that. I want you to think about that as we go through this. I want you to think about that. Where are we as a church? You see, you pray for not for one for, for nonstop. When we realize, when we realize, you see what happens is when a church and, and a God's people start getting persecuted, what happens? They get to their knees. That goes back to the, the basic things that we saw in the book of Acts. That church was in constant prayer. That church was in constant prayer. I want you to go to verse 6. And when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers. The guards before the door were keeping the prison. Okay, now let's just stop there for a second. Okay, so you have 36 of the best soldiers in the entire world guarding one disciple. This is a prison in Rome. So this is, no, this is not like Gilligan's Island here, okay? All right, this is not little hut at Gilligan's Island, all right? This is a gigantic, this is a, this is a concrete, you have, you have actual steel doors, you have bars, okay? You got 36 of the best soldiers in the entire world guarding this one disciple. And oh, by the way, you've got two big chains that have, that have bounded Peter. He's sleeping on the floor into that concrete, and then he's got two soldiers in between them on top of that. There's no way he can get out. There's no way. He cannot get out. He, he, can't, cannot, he cannot get out. Okay? So I want you to put that in context here. Okay? 36 of the best. And Herod's thinking to himself, oh, no, Peter. You're not, not going to Jesus me. Okay? All right? You're not going to get out here. You're not going to get out here. I've got this. I've got this. I'm in control. You're not going to get out here. Now I want you to go to once you go to verse 7. Verse 7 and 8. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in prison. And he struck Peter on the side. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And look at this next word. And his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie up your sandals. And so he did, and he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. I want you to let this, this passage just sink in. You talk about a, uh, how the Bible's coming alive here. I want you to picture this, okay? You have an angel of God. You have a church over here that's praying. Then you have an angel of God comes into this dark, nasty, spooky place. There's no hope for Peter, none whatsoever. 
and the angel of God comes in there and shines a light in this dark, nasty place. And he says, gird yourself, tie on your sandals, put your garment on, and follow me. I absolutely love this passage. It is everything good about the gospel. It's amazing how we have the lights with angels. Angels are God's flashlights. It's amazing, isn't it, how Peter's chains fell off? Remember what his church was doing. They were in constant prayer. Why? Because his church was making an intercessory prayer on behalf of their pastor. You see, what happens is when we pray, supernatural things will happen. Supernatural things can happen when we pray. And we, we just kind of forget about that sometimes. Supernatural things happen. And I'm convinced that we don't see this in churches today because we don't ask. We don't ask. When we going to wake up and understand that our, the, the supernatural power we have is at our disposal, at our church, is at our individually when we just get down on our knees and pray. Peter had something to work on his behalf. He was in a no-win situation. There's no way he's getting out of that prison. But his church was in constant prayer. The prayers of friends, of fellow believers who knew they could make a difference. They were praying for his safety. They were praying for his release in a place of a time of dark isolation and loneliness. They were praying for him. They were on their knees. Their church was in there on their knees. They were praying for Peter, Peter, Peter. They were praying for him. Peter had every reason to give up hope. This story has taken an unthinkable, hopeless turn when the angel of God comes in that prison and he shines that light. God shone a light in that dark place in a midnight hour. He came in there, and he said, no, 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 not hope is not lost here, Peter. Hope is not lost here, Peter. Now, I want you to go to verse 9. I want you to go to verse 9. So he went out, and he followed him. He did not know what was done by the angel, but it was real, but thought he was seeing the vision. So let's just stop right there. Peter's now walking with the angel outside of the prison, where there's no way he can get out of. Okay, he's walking out there, and he's saying he's in a daze. He's seeing this whole vision. He's saying, oh, my goodness, what's going on here? He's kind of floating in the air. All right, now I want you to go to verse 10. I want you to go to verse 10. When they passed the first and second guard post, they came to an iron gate, this big iron gate, and all of a sudden, boom, the gate just opens. And the chains come off, it's unlocked, it just, boom, it opens. Now I want you to think about that. This iron gate that leads to a city, which it opened on its own accord. Then he went down. He started walking down the street. And then all of a sudden, he was walking down the street. And just as fast as the angel came, the angel departed from him. Gone. Now Peter's out there on the street. He's alone. Angels, in reality, they have a ministry of liberty. And I think we forget that many times. Angels care for God's children. Angels brought a light and liberty into a very dark, spooky place. I want to point out it was Peter's obedience as well. Have you ever realized in all of God's miracles, something extraordinary happens? He puts the ordinary with the extraordinary. I mean, you look, what, he, what did the angel say? He said, gird yourself. What does that mean? It means put your belt on. Get your shoes on, son. Let's go. There you go. Suit up. It's time. Come on. Follow me. These are, do you think Peter would ever put on his sandals the same way again? The angel of God, he's laying there. And all of a sudden, the, the chains fall off. Everything's open up. The light's on. He's like, 
okay, I'm trying to, he's trying to get his pants on. He, then he tried, his pants are probably falling off. He's, oh, gird up, son, come on. Get your shoe on. Let's go. He's telling that the angel of God is telling him this. Now think about this. Think about this. The angel of God. And now, if you see it, verse 11. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel, has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all of the expectation of the Jewish people. Delivered me. Think about this, guys. How many times is God going to deliver us? I mean, he, I mean did, did, did Moses not walk in Pharaoh's court and said, let my people go? Let my people go. And he delivered us. How many times he delivered us out of bondage in our whole lives? He's delivering us right now. He's delivering us. God's always delivering his people. He's also delivering the lost world right now. He's going to deliver this lost world out of Satan's grasp. His kingdom, his freedom of mercy and power and glory, all to him. He is going to deliver us. Now I want you to go to verse 12. Let's go to verse 12. So what we see here. So he had considered this. He came to the house of Mary. Now remember, he's walking by himself now. The mother of John, whose surname was Mark. Now I want to stop right there. Where many were gathered praying. Okay, I want to stop right there. So now Peter is basically going back to the church that he pastors because he's been in jail, okay? Now, this is not some little house. This is a, probably a courtyard. Uh, uh, she has a big house. There's probably a big room. There's probably 100, 150, 200 people. It's what most Bible scholars think. They're in this room, and guess what they're doing, guys? They're on their knees, and they're praying for Peter. They're praying that Peter get released. They don't know, they don't know about any of this, okay? And all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, and Peter knocked on the door of the gate. He's knocking. He's knocking. He's knocking. And all of a sudden, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. Okay, so let's stop here for a second. So Peter goes back to give a praise report. Hey, I'm okay now. And all of a sudden, he's knocking on the door. They're still praying. They're still praying. They're still on their knees. He's, he's banging on the door. So the servant girl Rhoda comes in. Let's go to verse 14. When she recognized Peter's voice, let's stop there. This is her pastor. Now, I hope you guys would recognize my voice. I'm knocking on your door, Billy Tucker. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. Would you recognize my voice? Would you recognize my voice, Cassie? Would you recognize my voice, J.D., Margala, Barry? I'm knocking the door. Okay, a prayer is answered. Okay, here's the deal. I'm knocking on the door. But here's what Rhoda did. She, she recognized Peter's voice. Because of her gladness, she did not open the door. She ran and announced, that's Peter, stood before the gate. Now, Rhoda, imagine her excitement. She is so excited. Oh, it's Peter. It's Peter. She, I mean, she, she, she's going crazy. It's Peter. It's Peter. He's there. He's at the door. And here, okay, let's go to verse 13. She's doing cheetah flips, man. She's going crazy. It's Peter. Our pastor's here. He's at the door. He's knocking. And, you know, you would think, oh, let him in. You clown, come on, let him. No. Okay, here's what happens. Here's what happens. But they said to her, you are beside yourself. Okay, I know what's happening right now. You crazy cleaning lady, are you out of your mind? There's no way. There's no way. You're beside yourself. She kept insisting it was so. And they said, no, it's his angel. Honey, you don't understand. Peter was guarded by the 
the, the greatest soldiers in the world. He was in the most secure prison in the world. They've already killed him. It's his angel. And all of a sudden, here's Peter. Here's Peter. He's knocking on the door. He's knocking on the door. This crazy cleaning lady's lost her mind. It's Peter's angels. They've already killed him. And uh, God, God can answer that prayer. It, 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 they cannot believe that God actually answered their prayer. They've been praying for him for 36 hours. They've been on their knees. And Peter's right there. And they're astonished. They're astonished. Now let me ask you something in this church right now. Do you have a prayer that if it was answered today, then it would shock you beyond belief? Because I do. I do. I want my daughter back. I want Danielle back. And it would shock me if, if Peter or somebody came to the door. I'm back. I know. But see, I, I don't want to be selfish here, okay? Because I know every single one of you have a prayer like that. It may be cancer. It may be a relationship that you've lost. Something Everybody in this room has a prayer like that. And I'm going to tell you guys, if that prayer is answered right now, I'd be shocked. I'd be astonished. But I want her back. And I know everybody has a prayer like that. And this is what I'm talking about. Because sometimes my faith is not good enough to believe that that prayer will ever be answered. I know, I know some of you guys have the same prayer. I know you do. Peter continued. Let's go to verse 16. Now Peter continued knocking. When they opened the door and they saw him, they were astonished. They could not believe it. You're astonished when God answers your prayers. Help my unbelief, says Charles Spurgeon. I'm going to tell you something, guys. I know that I get, uh, I get, you know, fired up about things sometimes that happens. And I've got courage. I'll just tell you guys, I've got courage. Not because of me, because of the Holy Spirit. He's blessed me. And I'll stand up and fight. I'll stand up for Jesus and fight. And I encourage you to stand up and fight. But here's what I'm going to tell you, church. As your shepherd, if I haven't taught you to get on your knees and praise, I'm, I'm, and pray, I'm failing you. If you believe me, shout amen. Okay, that is the most important thing I could teach you is to get, get on your knees and pray. That's the most important thing we could do as a church is to get on our knees and pray. It, 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 I mean, that's a, because I guarantee you, if we can get on our knees and pray, if we can get on our knees and pray, we can stand up and fight. Can I get an amen? We cannot be a church that prays. We have to be a praying church. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's a difference between the two. There's a church that prays, and there's a praying church. There's a huge difference between the two. And in closing, I'm going to quote Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers ever lived. While men have no faith, they are unconscious of their belief. But as soon as they get a little faith, then they begin to be conscious of the greatness of their unbelief. Isn't it amazing that Peter, the man who would deny Jesus three times, the man that Jesus Christ would say, you have little faith, Peter. It's the same guy that walked out of that prison. 
The same guy that Rhoda did not believe it was Peter. Or she believed it was Peter. She was so excited she couldn't tell it. Same 120 people in the church are praying for him. They did not believe. Isn't that, isn't that fascinating how that whole story worked? Peter's your no average disciple. When he preaches, he preaches the full counsel of God, and the Holy Spirit comes on from the church. With every head bowed and all eyes closed. Father in heaven, we're going to come to you today with petitions. I just ask, Lord, that there is a prayer in this church that needs to be answered right now. It may be for salvation. It may be a horrible thing that's going on in somebody's family. It may be a, a, a person that you just don't like, a co-worker, a, a family member, and that's just eating at you. It's just eating at you. It may be a bad diagnosis. It may be a, a drug addiction. It may be a pornography addiction. It may be a gambling addiction. We don't know what that is, Father, but I promise you, everybody in this church has a prayer right now that they need answered. And I know that you can provide it for them, Father. I'm just going to ask, Lord, that you come, that the Holy Spirit of God comes upon us, not just today, but tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, every single day. Lord, we love you and we praise you. And we hallow your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand.